My prayer for today's message is, Lord, what do you want for these graduating seniors? And as I prayed that prayer and just asked the Lord what to do and how to do it, as I do each week, it became clear that the message he had for the graduating seniors is a message I think that probably is important for all of us. Most of you today will be reminded of this, and certainly this is nothing that the graduating seniors haven't heard a time or two, I'm sure, but... uh, Boy, it's a crucial time today to learn how to plan. Already this morning, uh, we've had two or three speakers for the graduates, and each one of them have referenced Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11 says, The Lord knows the plans He has for us. He's got good plans for us. We love that verse. That's a good one. But as the speaker said, you need to check back out verse 10. It says, oh, by the way, you're going to be you're going to be in jail, in bondage as slaves in Babylon for 70 years. But after that 70 year period of time, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you and do great things among you. But 70 years, 70 years is a long, long time. Now, when you get to be my age, it's not so long. But 70 years is a long time. That 70 years is where we got Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, where we got the stories of Daniel, where we got the stories of great hardship. Can you imagine Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego going into the fiery fire? And there stood among them one that looked like the Son of Man. And they were protected, and they came out of there. It was a hot fire. It was a difficult fire. Think about Daniel and all he had to deal with. In the den of the lions, not praying every day. He wasn't going to listen to that. He was going to do what he needed to do. And so uh, it is true. The Lord knows the plans he has for us. But oftentimes the missing link is our knowing the plans that the Lord has for us. I'm sure that you graduating seniors, you're tired of hearing people ask you, what are your plans? What are you going to do next? How are you going to do it? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And how's it going to happen? Have you thought through that? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And you're probably just overwhelmed with everyone talking about plans. Now, I've got an answer for you from this moment on. And I promise you that if you're tired of people asking you what your plans are, if you'll learn to answer this way, they'll leave you be. You ready for that? You want some of that? No? Yes, no, yes, no? I got another one too. If you don't care about that, I'll do something else. Is that good? All right, I got one yes. I'll take one yes. All right, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Look here. Listen up. Pay attention. You who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. James says, hey, all you guys that are planning a year's work, all you guys that think you know what you need to do next, pay attention to this. You're going to go to this town or that town. You're going to implement your business strategy and your business plan, and you're going to make all this money. I got something for you. I got something for your plans, he says. Verse 14 How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Are you kidding me, James, to say to them, do you really believe that you know what tomorrow holds? Do you really understand what 
tomorrow holds for you, that you're going to go to this or that town, and you're going to, you're going to pull off your business plan, and, and you're going to make all this money? Are you always sitting around thinking about how you make more money, how you can do this better, how to do that better? Well, the Word, ha- the word has a message for us. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Do you have any idea what your life is going to be like tomorrow? The truth of the matter is, we think we know, but none of us know. None of us know what tomorrow holds. And so it says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, and here's the answer, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. What are you going to do after you graduate? Well, if the Lord wills, I'm going to go to Angelo State University and I'm going to major in history and I'm going to get out and I'm going to get my master's in history and then I'm going to get my PhD in history and then I'm going to teach in a college history. If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, I'm going to go to Texas Tech University and I'm going to become an architect. I'm going, to, I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to spend all night long in that big tall building, night after night after night, putting those models together and doing that stuff. If the Lord wills, I'm going to hang in there. And if I can learn to do that math and if I can enjoy doing that math and if I can develop a passion for that, if the Lord wills, He gives me a passion for that, then I'm going to, I'm going to become an architect that, that does plans of churches and make baptisms where they really do work. That's what I'm going to do. And if you go do that, we'll hire you tomorrow to fix our deal. <laughs> yes, sirree. Bobcat. Yes, sirree, Bobcat. That's right. I heard that Bobcat over there. Verse 15. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to live, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise... You are boasting about your own pretentious plans. Pretentious is not a good description of a person that, that comes before the Lord. Pretentious. You know what you want to do. Your way's better than God's way. You've got it all figured out. And all such boasting is evil, the Scripture says. So this is a serious, serious topic to God. Our planning without God's involvement. Our making plans without God's leadership. Our making plans in our own strength, in our own flesh, without our following the Holy Spirit. Remember, he finishes with in verse 17, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And so if you know what to do and you don't do it, that is sin. So there you have it. If the Lord wills, I'll change my major three times. (laughs) 
which often happens in college. If the Lord wills, we'll run out of money partway down the way. You know, I, I'm going to go off to school, and it's not going to work out with my roommate, and I'm going to have trouble at school, and, I'm, and, and, and my friends are all going to scatter, and we got all these plans. All the high school friends are going to stay together. Or you got plans that you want to go where no of your high school friends go, which probably is a better plan in the long run. I don't know if it's of the Lord or for not for you. If the Lord wills, I'm going to go off and make my own way. I'm going to do this, do that. But, but you don't know what tomorrow holds. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. You don't know about next week. You don't know about next month. You don't know about next year. You don't know how life is going to change in your family. You don't know how life is going to change for you. You may believe you want to be a doctor, and then you go to the first session, and they draw someone's blood, and you pass out. And you're thinking, well, I can't be a doctor if every time I see blood, I pass out. You go back again, and you talk to that. I saw the blood yesterday, hit the floor. They said, well, let's see how you're going to do today. And they poked themselves, and sure enough, down you go. You're probably not going to be a doctor. That's probably not going to work out for you, right? And so it's important to learn to plan the Lord's way and to follow Him. Now, He knows the plans He has for us. And what we need to do is learn how to the best of our ability, it's still at the end of the day by faith, but get on in on some of that. Get to where we understand a little clearer about what God might indeed have for us. And we can give the great answer to what plans do you have if the Lord wills, if the Lord so desires This is what I believe He has for me. And that's a good plan to have. That's the right plan to have. And frankly, it's the best plan to have. All right, so if you're like I am, still trying to figure what you want to do when you grow up, listen up to this. Verse 13. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. So this is directed towards those that have taken planning into their own hands. The Lord doesn't want us taking plans into our own hands. And so if you've been planning your future without the Lord, this is for you. This is for everyone that that does that. Now, verse 14. This right here is something that all of us need to receive, accept, and and be aware of, and not lose sight of this. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Isn't that true? We had a few fogs this past winter, and as soon as the sun comes up, it burns them off. Here, I don't remember any day we had here this past winter where a fog stayed all day long. Now, and maybe in the low areas where there's a stream down there or a creek, maybe so. Matter of fact, the longest fog I know was really man-made. It wasn't this kind of fog or this kind of vapor that Scripture's talking about. But, but show them the picture of the London Bridge. That's in 1952. Now, it, 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 it's foggy. All right? This was the great fog they had. And for five or six days, there was a weather event that happened. And it came over London. And the air wasn't able to escape because of the pressure that brought all the stuff down and the lack of wind. 
the weather people told Parliament about this. Now, it's in January, and, and you can see on the right-hand side of the tower, you can see that big smokestack pouring out smoke. Then they only had coal to burn. I, I can remember the coal men were good luck. The chimney sweeps are good luck too. You know, I, I, I spent my first few years in England, my mom's English, and uh, I can remember them bringing coal to the bin outside our house. I can remember the chimney sweeps coming, and, and I can remember uh, my grandmother and my grandfather telling me to take the bucket and get some coal for the fire. Now, let me tell you something. That is difficult to breathe even when the damper is working right and the draw's there and you just put that coal in the fireplace and we had one room that had heat and that's where we cooked. That's where we boiled the hot water for the water bottle that we put in our bed for the night because there was no other heat in the house. And, and coal made life go. Coal was the only way that you could warm yourself. Now, England, because of the Gulf Stream, has a humid environment to it. It stays warmer than other countries at that where they're at in the world and where it should be because of that warm, moist Gulf uh, stream moisture that comes up and keeps England kind of unwraps. But let me tell you something. It is a cold, humid. If you can think about what Houston is like in the hot of the summer, hot, humid, this is cold, humid. And it was a horrible thing. And that fog just sat there for five or six days. A hundred thousand people got sick. Many thousand died. But a hundred thousand people received all kinds of breathing ailments from the cold that just weighed down. And then the pressure released and the wind began to blow and it cleaned out the smoke. That's the longest one I know of. Five days isn't very long. And so that's the lesson for us here. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. It's good for you to realize that life is short. It is short. It's good for you to know that life passes very, very quickly. It's good for you to keep in mind that you have no idea what tomorrow holds. Sickness happens. Accidents happen. Problems happen. Things blindside you. Things that you never, ever dreamed would ever happen, happens. And the Lord knows that. The Lord knows what's in front of you. The Lord knew that they would be in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, so they should be seeking the Lord's direction to prepare them for the tomorrows. Now, interesting with the London Bridge. Now, they're in London yesterday. They had another terrorist attack. Now, listen, y'all, the world that you're going into, it is more than any other time in history at war against your faith. It's at war against our way of living. It's just not our faith in Jesus. It's the Western way of living today that are under attack. I really believe that I'm in the right place to be able to tell you today that you really need to get tough in faith, in character, in direction, in morality. You get faith in resolve. 
You need to get, you need to get tough in conviction because the enemy is at work today. Now, it says in the book of Revelation that he knows that time is running out and so he's unleashing his terror more than ever before. I really believe that. We don't have a day for Christian people to go in the world without being strong in faith, strong in prayer, strong in understanding God's Word, and, and, and being tough. You're going to hear at school that God doesn't exist. You're going to hear at school that sin doesn't exist. You're going to hear that everybody that believes in Jesus are narrow-minded and ignorant and, and old school, and the Bible does it. It's not God's Word. It's all what man has done. They're going to come at you from all kinds of areas, and now you throw in this hatred that Islam has for the Western world. And as I look back, I, I graduated 39 years ago, praise the Lord, that's how I graduated. And I graduated 39 years ago. That was never thought of. Terrorism like that was never thought of. There were some other problems that we were dealing with, but nothing like today. And it's amazing how things have changed. So I'm here to tell you, you guys need to really get in the Word and get tough and realize that there are no promises of tomorrow. And you need to know how to activate, to apply the principles of God's kingdom for strength. And there very, very well may come a time and a day that you need to, to be able to applicate and, and put to work the principle of the kingdom for survival. For survival. The Chinese church today, their discipleship making goes like this. They teach them how to pray. They teach them how to study God's Word. They teach them how to memorize God's Word for when they don't have Scripture. And they teach them how to endure prison. And they teach them how to endure being beat with a rod or a stick or a cane. Can you imagine that? I, I must admit, at, at the Christian Book School in Fort Worth, Texas, I guarantee you there's not one book written to us here about how to endure prison or getting beat with a stick. But that day is coming. Now, you're saying I'm crying wolf. Not now. Don't tell us that. It, mark my words. I may be long gone, but you might see it. And you need to get ready for it. You need to prepare. And one of the keys is learning how to know what the Lord's plans are for you. Now, if they could have got in touch with what Jeremiah was saying, they might have been able to really prepare themselves for captivity. What it's like to be taken far from home. What it's like to be under a regime that is not uh, uh, pleasing or receiving of your way of life. Now, look in verse... Uh, 15, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. And so the planning needs to be under the Lord. What is the Lord pleased with? Let me share with you a few things. And you might want to take out your phone and write these down in that note or a piece of paper or however you want to do it. Go ahead, I'll wait for a moment for you to get that done. You need to take this home with you. You need to not, not forget this. Go ahead, it's okay. I, I know your dad said not to get your phone out in church, but, but maybe this one time you can do it. 
get your notes out and get ready to go. How to plan. Now, this is the most important thing, and this is the first thing. Number one, you need to know for sure what God wants you to do. Okay? Now, 90% of all of your decisions have already been explained to you. We already have 90% of all we, we need to understand through the Scripture. Okay? And what you need to do is, you need to discover what those 90% things are, and you need to do what you know to do. Now, you are to love. That's in the Bible. You are to forgive. That's in the Bible. You are to worship. You are to make disciples. You are to witness. You are to pray. You are to be good stewards. You are to, to, to pray for your enemies. You are to pray for their blessing. You are to be a person that is salt and light. You are to be eternally minded. You are to live not for the things of this world, but for the things of God. You are not to be friends with this world. Because it says in the Bible, to be friends with this world is to be at war with God. Okay, now we can go on and on and on, but the Bible has already told us everything we need to do. 90% of all our decisions is already made for us. Okay, so if, if you're put into a situation and you have a conflict with another person, you have a responsibility as far as it depends on you to be at peace with all people. Romans chapter 12 tells us that. All right. If you hear gossip, you've already been told how to deal with that. You're to reject the gossip. You're not to let that bother you. You're not to spread the gossip. You are to recognize that the tongue is a powerful, powerful thing, although it's small. It can, with the same tongue, it can do great harm or can do great good. You need to understand that. You need to not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. And so you need to understand what it is the Lord wants you to do. And as you're doing what the Lord tells you to do, that will take you down the road where the specific things that you struggle with so much, where you're going to live, what you're going to do, what kind of job you're going to have, are you going to go here, you're going to go and do that, you're already down that line of making good decisions and being who God wants us to be and, and living for Him and being obedient. And guess what? You can look back. And you can see what all the Spirit's been doing in your life, and you can kind of, the decision making on the 10% is easier. But the very first thing for you to do is to know for sure what God wants you to do. Now, if you're not sure all the specific things that the Bible doesn't tell us, where to go to college, what military to join, I, I, one of our guys is going to be a welder. What a great deal that is. Man, I, teach me to weld. I like to weld. That'd be awesome. You know, we, you know, you may be a uh, uh, do some. What you know, it's not a greater deal this day and time than getting out there and having a trade like that, learning how to do something. You know, you get all that down, and and but as you as you struggle with what it is God wants me to do, you got to focus on what you know for sure God wants you to do. And by doing the things you know God wants you to do. Your 90% of all your decisions are made for you. And you've got that down. Now, the hardest part is the 10%. So, pay attention to this. We approach God 
by beginning with a blank slate. Begin with nothing in mind. Now, the third step is this. we got a blank slate. We're rejecting the opinions of our moms and dads about what we ought to do. That's going to come into play later. Okay? We don't start with what their plans are for us. We start with what the Lord's plans are for us. Don't start with the plans that your friends have for you. Start with the plans the Lord has for you. He knows better. He knows his best. If there is a 70-year captivity in your future, he knows it. Your friends and your parents don't know that. So that's why you need to start with the Lord. Begin with a blank slate. Nothing on the sheet. Now, begin to pray. Read the Bible. Be connected in the body of Christ because that's how God speaks to us. He speaks to us through the prayer through the Bible, the Scripture, and He speaks to us through the body of Christ and the way things are in your life, the circumstances. You take those four things and you start evaluating what the Lord is speaking to you about, what His plan for you is. And it will be through prayer, through Bible study, through connecting the church by listening to the preacher, listening to the teacher, listening to other Christian people share as God does that and He speaks to them, and then, of course, your circumstances. Now, your circumstances are your talents. I couldn't be an astronaut. They, they do calculus. I can't be a math teacher. They do math. Right? So, I know my limits. I know my limits in those areas. And so, look at what you're good at. Look at what you're passionate about. Look at what means a lot to you. And you put that in the equation. And the Holy Spirit begins to lay out for you His plan for your life. And I've already said it, but I'll say it again. His plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. His plan for your life is better than anything you can come up with. It's more fulfilling. It's more satisfying. It is more exciting than the plan that even you come up with yourself. The fourth thing is what you need to do is this. Lay what you believe the Lord is leading over your life, thinking about your heart, think about what God has done, think about what you're passionate about, what stirs you, what ideas and what plans and what thoughts are really difficult for you to walk away from. Now, if God has said to you that you are to be a welder, and He very well may have done that with you, then what you need to do is consider, is that a burning passion? Can I not get away from that? Now, I know way back yonder when I was struggling with whether or not I was to be a pastor or not, a preacher or not, one of the things that I came to terms with later on, even after I was preaching, I came to terms with this. I can't not do this. I can't not do what I do. Now, the place... And the people, that, that's, it could be different. Always different. But I'm always going to do this in some way or another. I really believe that the rest of my life, I will be opening God's Word, sitting down with people, or standing before people, whatever the deal is, and I'm going to be bringing to them what I believe the Lord has put on my heart. I'm always going to do that whether they give me a dollar for doing it or they give me a hundred dollars to do it. 
That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm passionate about. I woke up this morning thinking I get to present God's Word. I wish I could do that every day. Well, I do almost pretty close, but I would love it if we had church every day. Amen. One amen for that. Help me here. That's one amen. I love doing this. I love people coming alive spiritually. I love changed lives. I can't get away from that. I'm addicted to that. And so as I pray, as I read a scripture, I get enthused. I get energy from that. Now, the fifth thing that you do is take into, take into light what you believe all that is pointing you to. And to the best of your ability, after you have sought the Lord's will with these areas and you move forward, move forward with what you believe the Lord has for you. Okay? You believe He has this school, in this town, in, in this discipline. This is what I'm going to do. Move forward with all that you've got. Move forward in the Lord's hands. Move forward listening. Move forward not holding on any too tight, but resting in His hands to see if that is exactly what it is. got to move forward with the faith. And you move forward in that faith and, and you see what the Lord is going to show you. Now, the sixth thing is, or the fifth thing that helps you that, does the Lord open a door or two? Does He close a door or two? Does He put hurdles in front of you? And it's not that there's hurdles or challenges. If you have hurdles and challenges, that doesn't mean that's not the Lord's plan. It may mean that is His plan for you, but does He provide what's needed for you to go on beyond those hurdles and those plans? Failure doesn't mean it's not the Lord's will for you. You know, just because you get homesick and want to go home, that doesn't mean that's the Lord's will if you go home. It means you got homesick. And you need to get out of that. You need to get tough. Call your mama, cry together, but get back to work if that's what the Lord wants for you, right? Get on with it. But walk with loose hands about what you believe God has for you. If the Lord wills, I'm going to complete this degree. And the next step is in His hands too. Just like this step is in His hands, the next step is in His hands. The sixth thing is, you then after a time of walking forward in what you believe the Lord's plans for you are, look back and take an inventory of everything the Lord has done. Begin to put all that together. He's changed your heart about something. He's given you a passion that you didn't know about. You know, it might have been electrical engineering, but now it's mechanical engineering. There you go. He may want you to be a mechanical engineer instead of electrical. Maybe you got electrocuted plugging something in a box or something. You know, and you didn't want nothing to do with that, right? And, and, and you can look back and you say, the Lord has shown me this. He's shown me that. He's put those people in my life. He's done this. This is where I feel most fulfilled in the spirit world. It's when I'm involved in this kind of project, this kind of ministry. And, and you can just begin to put it all together. And so, but until you move forward with what you believe the Lord's plans are for you, you can't look back and have enough in place to measure what He has for you. One of the reasons why Christian people are like a ship in the sea without a rudder is because they ask without belief, as James says. 
They ask without belief. And there's not enough obedience in the Christian's life for them to have enough information for them to be able to see what the spirit world is revealing to them. What the Lord is showing them. Now, the life that God has for you is a life that doesn't contradict the Scripture. He's not asking any of you to be a serial killer. I know that. So it's something that doesn't contradict the Scripture. It's something that consumes you. What God has for you will consume you. It'll be all over you. Might be a vocation, might be a ministry. The vocation is just for you to eat and sleep with a roof over your head. You may do a vocation so that you can do what your passion brings into your world. A lot of people are doing that. And when you realize that, that vocation isn't as miserable as you realize it's giving you opportunity to do what you're passionate about. If you get paid for what God's called you to and you're passionate about, you are indeed a blessed person. But very, very few get to do that. It's something that you can't not do. You can't get away from it. That's what the Lord's going to do. It's something that glorifies God. It's something that requires your faith in God. And it's something that will give you energy and transform your life. People say, find your passion. Find your unique purpose. Well, that's, that's what happens. Is how your life lines up with what God wants. What plans are you going to do? Well, whatever the Lord wants. Now, in closing, the last two verses here says, man, don't let your britches get too big. Resist the big head. Don't be so vain that you think the song is about you. There you go. Hallelujah. That was a big song when I graduated from high school. Y'all know about that song? Carly Simon, go look it up. YouTube it, Wikipedia it. It says that boasting about your own pretentious plans is evil. Ought not to do it. What does the Lord have for you? What are your plans? What are you going to do if you graduate? If the Lord wills, this is what's going to happen. There's humility in the plans. Humility in the plans. That's what God wants. That's how we ought to be. And the last thing he says to us here is, remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Now, it doesn't say it's a sin if you don't know yet. It says it's a sin if you know what to do and you don't do it. It's a sin if you know to forgive and you don't forgive. It's a sin if you know to love and you don't love. It's a sin if you know that you are to pray and you don't pray. That's sin. It's a sin if the Lord reveals to you something that you need to do for Him, something you need to be, and you don't do it. That's a sin. And so what verse 17 says is, everyone will have to accept the responsibility for the Lord's plan for their life. And accepting responsibility is saying, Lord, if you will, I'll walk right behind you. I'll carry my cross. I'll turn from my selfish ways. And I'll follow you. If it means blessing, I will rejoice. If it means hardship to do your will, I will rejoice. 
because that's where the best of life happens. So, in conclusion, the Lord knows the plans He has for you. You need to know the plans the Lord has for you. Amen? Help me one time. Amen? Amen. Ushers, come forward. Let's sing.